Hey, hey, hey. This is another episode of the Grinding Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Todd Fox. And guest today, Gabby. We are here live. Renee couldn't make it on this one, but I think he may be available for the next one in the future. But in the meantime, we're going to hold it down for right now. But before we get to that, let's let you guys know where you can find us. Look us up on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean. Just look us up on the Grinding True Crime podcast, and you can find our content from past weeks, which were good ones, and uh, other shows that we've done. So, without further ado, we're going to get into this show real quick. And uh, Todd said that he has a good one for me this week. I've been trying to get him to spill the beam and tell me what it is. But he ain't telling me nothing. All he said is, you're going to like this one. So, without further ado, take it away, Todd. All right, guys. So, this week's story, it's uh, it's entitled, Wrong Place, the Wrong Time, or Being Black on a Friday. Oh, man. See, that's why you said I'm the right So, on, on uh, March... 27, 1994, just two years after the riots, things have been pretty bad in Los Angeles. Race relations between police and the black community as an, or in just in the community alone is at an all time low. I remember. Yes, sir. Uh, on that specific night around two in the morning, police were called out in a, uh, for a shooting that occurred in South Central apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, when they arrived, they found a 29-year-old Angel Gonzalez shot in the head on the street, and two of his friends shot as well. <clears throat> but they were okay. They were taken to the hospital, non-life-threatening. Uh, when they interviewed those at the bar across the street from the apartment complex, um, they found out that he had been drinking there prior, and then had headed up to the apartment complex, where upstairs there was an illegal brothel where you can go to get your jollies that, that he went to. So in investigating the police uh, in the first couple hours found out that Mr. Gonzalez went over there to see a specific prostitute by the name of Melinda, but she wasn't there. So when he came back downstairs, he met up with his two friends that were in the parking lot of the apartment complex. And then okay. the, oh, go ahead. No, I said, okay. And then, um, then the witness said that they saw Angel and his friends leave the apartment and a car pulled up and talked to them for about like 30 seconds. An argument started, four shots rang out, and then a couple more shots rang out and the two friends were down on the ground and so was Angel. Dang! So you getting a scoop, scope of what's going on so far? I'm getting a little something. I need a little more details, but so far, I, I have an idea. So three in total were shot? Yeah, three in total were shot. <clears throat> so um, at the t- at the time, the police thought that the uh, when they interviewed Angel's friends, they thought that the bullets were only from one or from the car. And then they found three types of uh, bullets. They found two that came in the direction of the car, and then uh, a set of bullets that came from the guys <clears throat> um, that were shot. So oh, they, so they, 
Yeah, they fired back. Okay. So, um, talking to one of the witnesses on scene, they said that they could have swore one of the guys had been shot in the leg. Uh, that that was trying to, because what happened was they found out that uh, when interviewing the owner of the bar, he said he saw three black guys in hoodies in a car approach the men on the road to rob them and had them at gunpoint. Two of them got out of the car and then when they refused to give up their belongings, uh, the argument started and then shots rang out. They said they saw one of the uh, passengers in the car get shot in the leg, stumble into the car and then drove off um, after the, the argument. So they fig they wound up finding the gun that the two guys Angel of Angel's friends, they had put it in the gutter, like, you know, a little sewer-like type thing. Yeah. So they realized, okay, that was their gun. They used that one to fire back. And uh, they, they, they started to, uh, they figured out that later on the next day, a security officer, because they put the word out that night that someone had been shot and to check the hospitals, check the ERs. If someone comes in with a, a you know bullet wound, call it in right away. We're looking for someone in a homicide related to that. Mm -hmm. So a security guard at one of the hospitals in South Central remembered two days later that he had saw a guy come in with a bullet wound, but they went and checked the records, couldn't find anything. The man came in as anonymous. So mm -hmm. basically there was nothing that they could come up with, didn't have any name. And um, it's weird because uh, about a month later, they got a tip as the case kind of went cold because they were interviewing people and they just didn't have nothing. Case came in uh, or a tip came in about a 19 year old named Irvin Anthony who was a member of the Nine Deuce Hoover Crips that was, that had been bragging about a shooting. So his name came up. I know about them. You know about, how do you know about them? Let's enlighten us. <laughs> uh, and let's just say I lived in South Central. <laughs> okay. They, they are, they are a pretty hated gang by a lot of, by Crips and Bloods. So, yeah, very yeah, they're one of the ones that'll fight their own. Oh yeah. So. It used to be Crips and no longer Crips. They're criminals now. So they don't associate, well they, some gangs they do, but they don't identify as uh, criminals. So oh, okay. They hate I don't know anything about gangs. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see where this picks up now. As we, uh, so they, they, get a, they get a tip about Urban. And at the time, uh, he was uh, arrested with another 20-year-old on a carjacking. And they fit the description yeah. of the shooters. So they were brought in. And usually gangbangers always, you know, or anybody, usually snitches get stitches. Don't mm -hmm. anything. If you watch the first 48 at all, what happens is usually when they get a guy in an interrogation room and they're like, all right, what was his name? You know, you had him in your car, you picked him up earlier. And they all—they're always—they always say, "Oh, I don't know their name. Uh, I just know them by like Fluffy." You know, they just—that's <laughs> yeah, true. That is true. Yeah. they'll never know the name. They're all—they're all like, "Hey, they're on your Facebook. They're on your Instagram." Yeah, I don't know. I just know them Fluffy. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah, you're right. You nailed it. <laughs> but this guy bucked the trend. 
he was interrogated he was interrogated in 15 minutes into the interrogation he named the third person as reggie cole right off the bat <laughs> first and last name. he wants to die <laughs> he, uh, cole was a fellow gang member who sold crack cocaine and he'd always he'd, he'd never had um a major offense other than he had been busted a couple times as a juvenile as for slanging that's it okay never possession of a firearm no uh, assault battery nothing and he was usually well, he got it what happened well he getting it now oh yeah he was uh he was never a, a guy either who um who was aggressive in all, in all the people that knew him they he was more like just quiet trying to make money for his family he wasn't uh, a down and you know like he, he has to do dirt type dude yeah so the two detectives had a hunch to search cole's house they got a search warrant and they found a gun in his possession um they had a bar the bar owner that was from across the street who they found out owned the brothel as well uh in the apartments and pretty much pimped out the women um, they had him come down and, and in the lineup and identify the three men. Now, he couldn't identify the second guy who was in the carjacking with Mr. Irvin, but he was able to pick out Irvin and Cole as being seen on the scene. Well, he, he got two of them. That's good enough for the detective, right? Well, that's what the detectives were thinking. They're like, all right, good job, Johnson. Let's close the case. <laughs> and the thing is, when they searched Cole, they found a bullet wound on his leg. So mm. they figured, you know what? There's our guy. You know, he's that with that evidence alone. Now keep in mind, they didn't do any ballistics. Okay. So when they went to trial in 1994, um, despite no evidence, two of the three were convicted of the crime. Wow. Wow. And what happened was uh, the bartender said that he saw all three or two of the three shooters committing the act, but could only say he recognized uh, with a shadow of the doubt two of the three, not the three. So Cole and Irvin were convicted and received a life sentence each for the, for the murder of Mr. Gonzalez and the attempted murder of his two friends. Dang. <clears throat> Yeah, so Cole was sent to prison in Imperial County to serve out his sentence, and Irvin was uh, was in downtown in Twin Towers. Uh, Cole eventually, um, Cole was up there by himself with no help, and you know how race relations are. If you're not um, going to be there too long, I think we had discussions on another show, if you were to go to prison. But if you were to mm -hmm. go to prison and you have a two-year sentence, you're not going to join a gang because you figure, just, I got to bide my time, stick to myself yeah. and gin pop and try to get out as quickly as possible. You join a gang, you want to do that if you're 10 to 20 or life because you need protection because you're going to be there for the long run. To survive? Say what? To survive? Yeah, to survive basically because if you pick a race, they'll protect, they'll protect your back. So you got to scratch theirs and they scratch yours. And most of the time is you don't have to do nothing sexual. So that's a good thing with that kind of thing too. You know, you're just there to, so you don't get shanked and you help others not to get shanked basically. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a doggy dog world, Gabby. 
<laughs> in prison. Certain rules in prison that we don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's different like, in prison. Like I hope I'm never there. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because you hmm. could own somebody with a couple. Uh, if you give a couple desserts to a certain person, you can own. Oh yeah. <laughs> or a that pack could of be cigarettes. Your little missing. That's the huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you know what that term means. I know what that term means. <laughs> so, um, Cole eventually joined the 39 Deuce Crips in the prison, which they had a local sect there. Um, and, and then he ran into some trouble uh, here and there in his first six years into his, system, into his sentence uh, in the fall of 2000. So fast forward six years. Um, he got on the bad side of a shot caller one day who was notorious in prison. He was 6'1", 240 pounds of pure muscle. Oh. Better known by his nickname, The Devil. He was That's a <laughs> Yeah, check out what he did. He was 34 and has spent half his life in prison. He had two life yes. Yeah, he had two life sentences. And he was known for raping inmates and beating them and getting away with it due to his status. Wow. He had beaten a teenager to death uh, at the age of 15 and was re released uh, at the age of 17 only to rape a woman and kill her teenage son in the process two years later. Wow. So his name was Clark. And on one day, Clark had a shiv in the yard who he was wanting to stab a Mexican shot caller who he felt gypped him on the drug trade. So he buried the shiv in the yard. So at lunchtime, he would dig it up and stab the dude as he was doing his laps around the track, right? But mm -hmm. guards stumbled on the, the, the shiv in the ground somehow. Uh, Clark didn't want to, to be found out and he wanted to be able to stay out of solitary. So he told Cole, who was lower on the, the gang's list. Um, take the fall. Yeah, take the fall, take the heat. That's your shiv, admit to it so we can get out of lockdown and I don't go to the shoe. And um, basically Cole said, no, I'm not gonna do it. I didn't do it, I don't deserve it. He said, know your place or I'll make you know your place. And uh, Cole refused and they were still on lockdown the next day. So the next day they're getting their food through the window and it's lunchtime. Clark comes up after he told a guard to look the other way and stabs Cole in the side. And then he whispers into his ear, you're now my bitch. So he owns everybody there. Pretty much. Wow. He's so big and so intimidating, nobody wants to get in his way. Did Cole survive wow. that? Yeah, Cole, sur Cole survived it, but here's the, here's the other thing. They took a, um, the guards who were paid off by Clark and also intimidated, wrote it up as a self-inflicted wound so the first night he actually had to treat it with toilet paper and whatever he had in his cell. And the next night they said, okay, look, he's like, I got stabbed, I got stabbed. And they were like, no, you did that to yourself. 
So they wrote it up as attempted suicide. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Clark didn't get any, you know, in any trouble, nothing. Wow. <laughs> And then when and those prisons, guards man, weren't scared, they were next. That's why. Yeah. Well, they get paid off. Well, you know the drug money that comes in, and mm-hmm. people tend to smuggle things up their anus. I Beautiful. guess, I guess money doesn't uh, money doesn't smell as long as it's money, right? It <laughs> <laughs> hey, it can get washed off, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean. Uh, he he tried he recovered but as he's recovering it's a couple days later they put him back in his cell he figured the devil clark would rape him if he was lucky or or kill him or do both um he figured that nobody in the gang would step up to clark and that they may take their turn with him as well so fearing the outcome he reached out to a latino prisoner who had a shiv and he basically gave him two months of his commissary, which is the money they've incurred or they've gotten from family members to buy certain things in the prison. Mm-hmm. And he gave it to him in exchange for the shiv. The shiv was six inches long and made out of a stapler. Ooh. Yeah, so it was pretty sharp. Oh yeah, that's, that's some damage. Yeah. So the next day, Cole took matters into his own hands, snuck up, on Clark in line at lunch in the lunch line in front of everybody, and shoved the 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 shit the shiv completely through and through his neck. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Um, Clark, as big as he was, bled out in mere minutes in front of everybody in the prison, guards included. Dean. Yeah, nothing to lose. Yeah, he had zero to lose. He was just absolutely right. He was looking out for his life and figured it's either him or me. Mm-hmm. So the problem with this is, since he already had life in prison, he was charged with manslaughter, which made him eligible for the death penalty. Dang. Yep. Let me guess, he got it. Oh, he got it, yeah, he got the death penalty. So here's what happened though, in the death penalty procedure, he, his lawyer who was basically working pro bono for the state, um, he, he was telling his lawyer, he was very convincing and told him, look, I got screwed. I should never have been in jail. This should never have happened. You have to look into this. You're gonna find holes, I just know it. You know, they put me in here and my buddy for like basically nothing, no evidence, no nothing. So his attorney, his attorney was like, you know what? Um, we've got a, uh, uh, Colt, well, Colt told his attorney that he was innocent and brought him into prison, was wrongfully accused and only committed the murder of Clark because he was stabbed and threatened and pushed into a corner. And had he not been in jail, the murder never would have took place. So the, yeah. attorney, so the attorney began to investigate the case and Cole began to see, uh, or the, the attorney began to see glaring issues right away. What'd they see? Well, right away he said the bartender had witnessed the shooting, uh, or the, the, the shooter get shot in the leg. And during the trial, they found that on, on, the, on uh, despite this, this is what's funny, in the trial of Cole, Cole's shooting in the beginning, um, 
he had been shot that yet yeah, in the leg, but six years prior when he was a juvenile because he borrowed his brother's gun and was playing around with it, he shot himself in the leg. Wow. So it was a coincidence. Yeah, it was a big time coincidence. So then he found a police report that had Cole arrested two days after the shooting on unrelated uh, drug things. He was again on the corner trying to sell drugs. Undercover saw him. They actually got into a foot chase where he jumped the fence to get away from the canine before getting tackled two blocks away. The attorney found that very funny that someone that was shot supposedly two days prior could outrun cops and a canine. Yeah, that's that a, makes that's sense. A good, that's a good point. Yep, yep. And then in addition, the cops had found shell casings near the, because uh, the, uh, the original shell casings from the case were destroyed, but they had yeah. given some of the shell casings to reporters that were actually shadowing the police and the detectives that night to film a documentary about life as policemen after the riots. So mm. when he investigated the two reporters that had been riding shotgun with the police, he found that they still were in possession of those bullets. Wow. And those bullets that were, that were fired from the supposed guns of the car were now in the possession of the, the attorney. And the attorney had the possession of the gun. He got possession of Mr. Cole's a firearm, and the bullets weren't even close to being a match. Wow. So, also, he interviewed the bartender, and the bartender who still owned the business said that the police actually told him that running the brothel, the illegal drug activity, the non-liquor license could get him 10 to 15 years and his children took it away from his him and his wife. So, so he lied. So oh, he lied for himself. Yes, he was coerced by the detectives to point out Irvin and Cole. And he was and he was told that he would get a plea deal and no jail time and no fines if he were to um what is it uh test him yes cooperate and testify for the prosecution get out of here yeah so he That's admitted he admitted to the attorney that none of that was he never saw those two men that he was given pictures prior to the lineup where he viewed the men <laughs> so that he could physically in the room point them out so those lazy bastards just wanted to convict somebody yeah, maybe maybe their conviction rate was low and they just wanted a fast <laughs> conviction. Hey, man, you got to make your quarters in any way possible, right? No, <laughs> yeah. that's jacked up. You ruin the <laughs> life of another person. No, I, I'm not saying they're right, but, you know, hey, man, they had to make their quarters. <laughs> so here's, here's another messed up part of the story. So <clears throat> this was all, like I said, he was, this was after 2000, 2001. He was convicted of the murder of Clark. So he sat another year in solitary confinement the whole time. So he wasn't transferred to another prison to where he could start over or nothing. He -hmm. was kept in solitary confinement the entire time while the attorney had to do his investigation, pull all the evidence, then reach out to the Innocence Project and also be able to file legal documents and go through the process of trying to get to what's called a habeas corpus 
which is um, wrongfully accused, um, you know, in a retrial. So it took them a whopping nine years to get that done. Dang. Nine. Nine years. So he been in solitary for nine years. For nine years, and the the um, the imperial um, jail said that for his own protection and the protection of others, because they didn't trust Cole after what he did to Clark. They feel if they if he killed Clark, he'd kill anybody. Wow. Yep. So that's allowed to be in solitary confinement for that long. Yeah, oh. it was, but it wasn't it wasn't like the shoe to where it's like dark. Uh, 23 hours that's more punishment but solitary as far as he he never had a cellmate and um he would have his own cell with a window but he couldn't um interact with anybody except for other people on solitary for an hour a day and then he had to come back in what was that 23 7 yep there you go so when the habeas corpus was finally um uh, presented and all the information I read you guys or told you guys about all the legal stuff was, was put out there. The judge and jury had no, had no, um, what do you call it? Um, no evidence can to, to viably keep both guys in jail. And they said, you know what? Um, it's, you got, um, um, what do you call it? Convicted on false pretenses you know, it opened an investigation towards the original detectives from back in the day. One of them who had already been retired, the police and everything. So it started a whole case that way. Uh, Irvin got released. So Irvin got released that day in 2009. Um, but unfortunately, while Irvin was released, they the courts held on to Cole because Cole committed a murder in prison. So they reduced his murder sentence to 15 years, 15 more years. But what? Yeah, but right away the attorney's like, "That's not right, because my client shouldn't have committed that murder because he shouldn't have been in jail in the first place." Yeah, I agree. So, unfortunately, he still had to buy his time, and they had to open up yet another case. Wow. What happened for the Clark thing? Yeah, for the Clark thing to see if they could, you know, because because in the in the meanwhile, while he was trying to open up a case to get exonerated from Clark, his buddy uh, was suing the city. And in 2010, he sued and got eight point two million dollars from Los Angeles County. Wow. Good. For, Good six, for six years wasted of his life. Good. And what about Cole? So Cole stayed in jail for another year to a year and a half. Um, wow. Before his before it went to to the to court again. And then in the summer of 2010, he uh, was found to be not guilty. And they figured that he again, he like we said in how he testified, none of this would have happened had he not been wrongfully accused. He was not a murderer. It's not like he was a good outstanding citizen but he had no history of violence and every one of his friends and and people growing up with him said that he was just misled by the local gang did drugs to help support his family he wasn't the type to beat anybody down or things like that so the witness t- testimony helped him get free in july of 2010 
where he sued the city for t- in 2011 and was awarded 5.3 million dollars. Dang! So he got less. He than... should have gotten more. He went through more. Oh yeah, absolutely. He went through more. That's ridiculous. And um, Urban, like uh, Urban, uh, wrote a book about it, so he wound up making more money. Uh, Cole just, I guess, vanished into um, regular life. And um, that murder from 1994 is still a cold case to this day. Uh-huh. They never got the uh, shit. So that's the, the, the real killer then. Yeah, the real killers are still out there if they haven't got caught for something else. Or they haven't received the street justice. That's true. <laughs> something that didn't sit right with me. How does the person go to the hospital anonymous? You know, there it is. I don't know. I mean, because even in the 90s, you had to report. They had to get your ID and stuff. So Yeah, like, how are you going to get treated and present no ID, no nothing? What record are they going to put that on? Like, it makes no sense. Check your point. Yeah, that's, that's something that I wish I had the answer to. But I guess either their investigation didn't yield anything from that. It could have been an unrelated shooting, but... I just find it even because if this if this story were to happen in the 70s and 80s, I'd be like, you know what, that's legit. That kind of stuff happened. The cops were really bad. But I would have figured after the riots, they would have put some sort of control on that or, or the cops would have to be on their best behavior, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead, there was corruption there and, and just outright. I mean, that's that's criminal what they did to him and his buddy. That's criminal criminal so i have a question two questions what did they do to the guy who was doing the illegal brothel was there anything about him well see he had already got the plea deal that had already went through the justice system they couldn't retry him for something that they passed him on and gave him a pardon on okay. so he wound up living his life out and uh, he died just a couple years ago but he okay. had but but he never gotten anything for what he was doing and then the other sad part is the two detectives who set up Cole and Irvin they got a slap on the wrist they were just transferred to another um, facility in Wilshire district wow yeah that's wrong detective yeah the guy who ran the brothel should have gotten something because he lied yeah under oath yeah, they went to court and apparently they tried to see what they could do, but I guess signing the plea and working with the police's investigation and I guess the intimidation factor of having to do it or else, they kind of sided and felt pity for him and didn't charge him with anything. Wow. So all in all, in all uh, a guy in prison named Clark got killed had he not had Cole not been there Clark may have still been alive probably not but he probably wouldn't have received that death uh Cole wouldn't have been in prison wouldn't have been stabbed his other friends wouldn't have been in prison and they could have saved about 14 million dollars the city pretty much and he also um his grandfather he missed his grandfather passing away while he was in prison as well who he was real close to because his father wasn't around when he was young. 
Dang. So he missed out on that. And, and I still don't understand why he only got $5.3 million. I don't either. The oh, only yeah. good thing that came out of this whole case is that he killed Clark and that guy stopped abusing others. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm pretty sure a lot of, uh, this is going to sound wrong, but a lot of uh, prisoners' buttholes are really happy that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did they thank him through his butt, or was it bent over? I don't know, man. I mean, I, all I know is that uh, a lot of people probably were spared a, a, a pretty violent raping because Cole did that. They started walking normal again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're all, man. Everyone walks like they got off a horse up there in that imprisonment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang. I still, well, yeah, I agree, though. He deserved more money. That was not fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you, Cole, for saving those booties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, a few years of your life had to be wasted for the sacrifice of men's butt, but it was a big... <laughs> It off well, billions to show for. He basically got paid 5.3 million for surviving 13 and a half years in prison. That's not enough. Yeah, that, that numbers don't add up on that one. <laughs> Yet Irving Irving gets almost nine for uh, six years. Yeah, yeah. He should have gotten at least 15. I agree. I agree. Should have at least been double digits. Yeah. But that's the story of Mr. Cole. Well, I like this story. I like this one. I, I guess because it was close to home. I know that area a little well. Mm -hmm. I know that thing in particular. And uh, that's why. You know what? That's why you said I would like this one. I'm sorry. That do with yeah. my culture, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one, you're going to like that. <laughs> I have another one that's uh, coming up that's pretty twisted. It's the next one. So if you guys are ready to go again, we'll do that one as well. All right. Well, first, let's close this one off with a, with, a, with our farewell. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. This is the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with the narrator. Todd Fox. And our special guest for tonight. Gabby. So thank you everyone for listening in and we're not done yet. We're about to take a little quick break and get to another show. So stay tuned on our, on our uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio and Spotify to hear the next show that we're about to do in a few. So with that being said, peace. Toodles.